Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. I mean, so you don't see a stock market market where that counts as down to start the show. We're doing it because the campus. To which we work may or may not be infected with the coronavirus. We're not 100 percent sure, but why take the chance if you don't have to? Zach counts us down. He stops counting at three, assuming, like so, rightly so, by the way, that I would just you know figure out two and one and then start talking and we'd get the show going. No, no, no. Oh, contrary, the Kinetic School of Broadcasting bites me in the ass one more time. Where he's like, Tim, that's your cue to go. I'm like, oh. No, no. No, so, no. I, I said on one. I, I stopped at three. To be fair, you did what you're, you did what you're <laughs> supposed to do. You followed directions, and that's that's broadcasting. But uh, I, I've got a couple things, though, stocking his market lovers. Danny wants to do uh, – Danny has a little – Danny's – as I adjust my camera, Danny's philosophical uh, uh, corner. I don't have a segment to call what Danny wants to talk about, so we'll just call it Danny's philosophical corner. I want Don to do uh, what's known as sequence of returns. Because uh, I think that's important, especially in a 2022 market. Then, of course, we'll get to the normal stuff with Alex and Hunter. But real quick, uh, when a business changes, when a business changes and adapts, I think it's important to note uh, those changes and those adaptations. And I want to show you Kroger here. Kroger's super interesting to me. Uh, you can see Kroger on a daily is having this 6% move up today. Just this big move. And it's like, well probably a number of reasons uh, powering it through here. And you can see it comes from, uh, let me show you this um, uh, this base that it took out the last two weeks, this little tiny flat base right there. And what's interesting about Kroger is it's adapting. And a lot of people might uh, wonder, well, how can Kroger, markets, uh, supermarkets, uh, food in general has super thin margins. Uh, there's inflation, everyone's getting squeezed, uh, quote unquote. And yet here we are, Kroger, uh, 52 week highs. And by the way, I don't know what the old, we'll just look together here. What is the old lifetime high of Kroger? This can't be, oh my gosh, is this it? This is a lifetime high of Kroger. I didn't even realize that. So you're looking at a lifetime high of Kroger and what's this business model change? Kroger, uh, is, interestingly enough, now I get a, I get a supermarket news. I highly in, uh, encourage everyone to read supermarket news. Uh, they're going to become a ghost kitchen. And that's super interesting to me because now, um, where you have, uh, you're, you're taking uh, this huge concept of ghost kitchens where like Guy Fieri uh, from Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives, uh, where uh, even, even places like um, Chuck E. Cheese has a ghost kitchen that makes wings. Uh, and you would never know it's Chuck E. Cheese's wings, right? Because they call it something else like mouse house wings or something. But uh, 
uh, now you're taking the restaurant concepts, you're putting them where the food is, and you're eliminating one one entity, and that's a food distribution network, like a food, you know, like there's United Foods and a couple other big ones across the country. And so now Kroger is not only becoming a retail food store, but becoming a wholesale food, uh, a food purveyor. They're selling that food in the ghost kitchen to the people making the food. And then, of course, you call and order uh, chicken wings from Chuck E. Cheese. Don't know it's Chuck E. Cheese chicken wings. And you get them delivered by DoorDash and you think you're all cool and hip. And here's just Chuck E. Cheese chicken wings. That is a huge business model change, especially. And that can, that, 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 that goes across the board. That's, you know, Kroger is not just Kroger. It's um, it's uh, Ralph's out in Southern California. It's uh, King Supers up in the Pacific Northwest. <coughs> There's this is this is really huge uh, because now you don't have to rent different space if you're a ghost kitchen. You're, so Kroger not only is a landlord, they're a food distributor. It, it's a huge business model change, and you can see it showing up here uh, in the chart at Kroger's. That means Kroger's going out and it's a screaming buy, buy, buy. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with recognizing when business models change. Is there somebody that can else hear the train whistle that's in my ear? Does anybody yeah, else hear like a? Yeah, I, I do hear okay. something faintly. <laughs> okay, so can we address that for a second? I don't know if stockers and market lovers can hear that, but it is really hard to do. A, there it is again, a um, a sermon on Kroger uh, from Sermon on the Mount. Uh, while there is literally a train whistle going, like, and it's not a train whistle like you would hear uh, in a in a current locomotive. It's a wooden train whistle you'd see Sheldon Cooper blowing into on Big Bang Theory. Zach, what do we what do we think? Of, off. Like what? Oh, well, you know, maybe noise Stop. reduction. I can knock it down for the audio listeners. Maybe. Is it is it Zach, in? I don't know. Whistle. Yeah, it's yeah. in and out, man. Is that you, dude? My dog barking in the next. Believe it or not. I can't. I can't believe that your dog would sound like a train whistle. <laughs> I don't think that's a dog. Okay, good, well, that, well, that's what, you know, what, hey, we should do the show from home. We shouldn't take a coronavirus, you know, we take the risk of coronavirus. You get a train whistle every now and then. <laughs> that's okay. So anyway, Kroger, uh, th those are the risks, folks, with live uh, live television and broadcasting. Uh, Kroger, super interesting. I would watch the whole space here. And I'm quite sure Alex or Hunter can bring me some different uh, stocks that I failed to gather that might be benefiting with turning their large spaces into uh, commercial kitchens is what they're really doing. And then becoming the food distributor. Yeah, I, but, I can uh, think of one right now. Go ahead. Sprouts Go ahead, Farmer's Market, SFM. Oh, give me the, you know, I wonder. They're, out of, they doing they're out of Arizona. Yeah. They're uh, a local. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was there the other day got food one. shopping and they, a lot of people were sitting down eating and stuff. So. Well, I, I, yeah, like the, what Kroger's doing isn't just going to be germane to Kroger. Uh, any 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 place that houses all that food uh, that can then sell it to uh, branded name like Logan Paul has a burger chain like for those of you that know influencer space on YouTube like uh, Mr Beast the influencer has one as well yeah a Brio Italian kitchen if you're in in DFW they so they sell they serve burgers yeah. out the back I'm not kidding it's we it's weird yeah huh. and so um, this this whole move right here uh, is super interesting to me and I, I think the retail space. The retail supermarket space is, is when they say prime for disruption, the, the, the disruption's happening right now. But speaking of prices uh, being thin and margins being thin and with inflation, I've seen a bunch of research pieces saying the market, mar you know, 
selling the bullish side of, of, a, of a market, uh, meaning the stock market. And as we look at S&Ps here, we're taping the show early Thursday afternoon of this week. Uh, S&Ps down almost a percent on the day. Uh, selling the bullish nature of, of stocks. And uh, I think it really helps to come to the markets in 2022 with a uh, neutral bias. And it's hard to do so. Like I can see people getting, uh, you know, well, you know, the market's been bullish for so long. And uh, it's easy to come to the market uh, with a bullish bias where the S&Ps find support uh, continuously here at the 21 and then they march higher and nothing's changed by the way like there's no reason to be super duper bearish here at the moment uh but then i see the other side uh where people are really bearish because of all this inflation um and i think it's interesting about uh having the discussion and thought process about inflation that uh here we are with inflation that hasn't been as high as 1982 but what a lot of people don't realize uh just a couple things that you might not be thinking about that inflation had actually peaked in about 1980, 1981. Uh, it was actually on the downside uh, come 82, even though we'd got, we're coming, we're starting to come out of the recession in 82. That's interesting to me, but what what is different now, and you'll hear the bullish camp say this, is that, well, we have inflation, but we have great employment. And I don't know if we do have great employment. We have great employment numbers, but numbers can be anything that you want them to, you know, you, some people look at some numbers and they say they're great. Some people look at them and say they're bad. Participation isn't that great in terms of employment. Uh, have we created any brand new jobs since the pandemic started or have we just been trying to gain back ones that we lost because we literally shut the job engine down in March of 2020? That's something to consider. By the way, the answer is we haven't created uh, a brand, a brand new job per se. And so, and then there's a camp out there that will tell you that the market had gone up, uh, between, uh, really considerably, the market went up considerably, uh, from first rate raises back, uh, last decade, uh, through, through this period, you know, till the pandemic and they were raising rates, uh, up until a point, uh, market went up considerably, uh, from 04 through 07. And uh, the thing that they, those two markets in particular didn't have was this kind of inflation. And if you compare that inflation and you say, well, it's not as bad as 1982, I don't think it's fair. It's not a fair comparison to compare this market and the market that we're in to those early 80s markets and what Paul Volcker did by raising rates uh, upwards nearly of 20, 21%. Uh, look, this this market getting Danny and I and Donna we've all talked about it. This market getting uh, you know get, getting just uh, a couple you know three or four rate raises is is equivalent. I think you need to think in terms of equivalency. So the rate raises that were taking place weren't taking place with this almost stifling inflation. And you're like you're going to cite some spending numbers, which by the way look in arrears. Uh, but I want to show you crude oil here on a weekly chart. As a matter of fact, let's look at crude oil on a monthly chart. And, and you can see it's had this nice move. It's kind of consolidating at recent highs. It, crude oil is, is crushing people and it's energy. Energy is crushing the Northeast right now. Uh, and you're like, well, Tim, it's winter. Of course, it's cold in the Northeast. No, it's, un, it's, it, it's, it's colder than, than, than normal. And people soon enough, this is my thought, 
are going to be making decisions on spending based on how much they have left over by trying to heat their homes. It's a cold winter right now. Cold. It's not unseasonably warm like you would hope with energy prices being so high. Hunter, can you give me a stat on how high energy prices are here? Let's just do it. I'll, I'll do it from the oil. Um, look at crude oil here just from on a monthly chart. You're up over a thousand percent. Okay, well, like Tim, that's not relevant. Well, I think it is a little bit relevant. Let's talk about that. Crude oil goes down in 20 to uh, a low was six and a half, and now you're up over a thousand percent. So you want to get to work and you have that big truck, right? Because that, that's what they make. We make trucks in this country now. We don't really produce cars. Okay, and so your, your energy costs have gone up since uh, the lows of 20, over a thousand percent. Heating oil natural gas, all of these commodities are up. And so it's, it, I think it's extremely disingenuous to say that the markets can continue to scream higher uh, and compare their last several rate raising, rate hiking set, uh, sessions by the Fed when you don't take into account that this level, that what this particular level of inflation is doing. And it goes beyond just the normal food and medicine. It goes the, the, right now. It's getting to those jobs. It's an economy that doesn't that doesn't go, go to the store quite as much. They want everything delivered. And what we have on our screens right here, this energy chart, is extremely, I think, bad for markets. Can the, I think it's very likely that if the Fed on a, on a program does three rate raises, right? And they're not going to tell you. I mean, that, that'd be foolish with J-Pal. Go, we're going to do three rate raises and then be done. Well, why? How do you know three is going to kill inflation? You're going to want to take it rate raise by rate raise. Um, this number right here, uh, it's on my screen, is going to absolutely affect future spending numbers. And ev eventually it all catches up. And um, I, I think that's a... It's a really good uh, pausing point. I want to get Danny's thoughts on that real quick because we always go to Danny's economic corner and then we'll jump to Danny's philosophy corner. But I, I think right now the Fed's in a really tough position. And I think what you're seeing here as represented by um, high valuation stocks in the NASDAQ, they, they're, they're struggling right now to get above their 21 exponential moving average. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how these stocks fare. Um, uh, in, in the in the coming weeks. They'll probably catch a catch a bit of a break as they move into tech earnings towards the end of January. But I, I, I think that markets um, they're gonna have some they're gonna have they're gonna have some flushes here in the probably the near future. Danny, what do you think? Well, a couple of things that, that I like to bring up. Number one, you know, you mentioned the participation rate. They're trying to say that everything's hunky dory and the jobs are good, but they reduced the participation rate by you know, four or five percent, it shrank considerably. So if you use the same participation right. rate and participation rate means how many people are in the job or in the workforce or looking for jobs. Well, if right. you get d discouraged and you stop looking for a while, they stop counting you. But if someone gave you a job, you'd take it. So shouldn't you count them? But if you just use the same participation rate we had just two years ago, the unemployment rate is high single digit. It's not anywhere near, it's not anywhere near is for level or whatever they're they're proposing in in my opinion um with regard to inflation you know you, you know you mentioned that it's the highest inflation we've had since 1982 folks let's remember 
from 78, 79 to 82 was the highest numbers of inflation we've ever had in the modern era since they started taking inflation data, when they started measuring inflation. You know, that's when the misery index came out, all that other kind of stuff. So this inflation will squeeze profits. It will hurt if if uh, if if you don't pay attention. And, and here's the thing: I'm not I'm not bearish right now. Like you said, the market's okay. It's kind of right around support, and hopefully it holds. But if you go back and look at the late '70s, early you know '80 '81, if you had a 60 40 portfolio or just a and P fund, you got you got hammered. You got crushed. So, you know, it's possible. I'm not saying it'll happen, but it's possible that you may give back all the gains you made in the last couple of years, last two or three years in in a bad market if inflation continues to rise. Now, talking about the Fed, you're talking about interest rates. You're right, Tim. Volcker went in there and he rates rates a whole bunch of times, but rates were higher. So as a percentage of that quarter point raise. Yeah. It wasn't that big. When you're coming off such a low bottom where you're at historically low or almost historically low interest rates, a quarter point is a much bigger percentage. It's a bigger magnitude. So just two or three percent and you kill and look, I would not want to be Jay Powell right now because he's got this dual mandate of full unemployment, which and and keeping, you know, protecting the dollar via, you know, keeping inflation in check. And those are actually opposite sides. I mean, those are those are two diametrically opposed outcomes because if you protect the dollar hurt inflation um you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna kill you're gonna you're gonna kill jobs so if he if he right. doesn't kill inflation if he lets inflation run he may be able to keep some jobs so he's got he's got a tough i mean he's got a tightrope here and i but i but the other oh. thing is i think that just buying and holding right now is much more dangerous than it was just a couple of years ago. The market's, you know, cycling. There's different times where certain strategies work, and there's certain times that they don't work. And if you, if history repeats itself, and there's certain sectors that do well during inflationary times, and there's a lot of stuff that that doesn't. I mean, just take a look at bonds. So it's it's going to be interesting either way. Now that's a great segue into a question that came over uh, the email. Uh, recently, and it was about um, how how to handle th this type of market, or how how we're handling uh, this type of market, and how to handle this type of market. I think it's a really good opening for a philosophical discussion. I think that you want to have, Danny, with uh, viewers. No, absolutely. So I actually got an email. I got an email from a client, and he he was making the comment of just you know recently this year this beginning of this year, starting out, and he's noticing, and he's kind of semi-retired, so he's able to pay attention. And he said, we continue to outperform on the downside and underperform on the upside. And he, so he's kind of questioning that. And I, my response was, when we're, whenever we're being defensive, have more cash and or hedges, we will outperform on down days and, out, and underperform on up days. That's the nature of the beast and the strategy. Once the dust settles and we get a defined trend, like an uptrend and get more fully invested, we can outperform or match in the same direction. We'll be more correlated. Right now, we are not correlated as much with this market by design. Okay. So, so I said, look, in the first five days, we, we, we outperformed the couple days you got this oversold bounce. 
we underperform, but I don't want to get too myopic and short-sighted about daily moves. I'm in it for the long haul. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. And you were talking about philosophical questions, and this kind of ties in with what the Fed's doing, Tim. The question you ask, mm-hmm. have to ask yourself at this very moment is, do you think risk is higher or lower at the very moment? If you think risk is lower, we can certainly dial it up a few notches for you, but I personally don't want to go all in at this moment. Uh, we don't have any growth stocks currently. And even and this was a couple of days ago, this was on the 11th. I said, today, mm-hmm. growth stocks actually did the best after selling off five days in a row. That was because of an oversold bounce. The indices are broken b- below support, which means higher risk. Um, anyway, point being is, and, and, and by the way, in full disclosure, since that, we've added one position. So now we're about two-thirds correlated to the market before we were a little less than 50%. So... You know, you dial up and down risk with cash management, with how much cash you hold. Cash is an asset class. Or if you've got a few positions you don't want to unload, you don't want to sell, you can throw on some hedges. That will also smooth out the volatility of the portfolio. But I, I tell you what, if you look at historical and, you know, folks, we're an active manager. We don't, you know, you know seasonality and all that stuff. We take it with a grain of salt. But the January effect is fairly, you know, if you're going to look at some seasonal data, the January effect is probably one of the most reliable, meaning you have a lot of tax loss selling, tax loss harvesting toward the end of the year, and then people start buying early January, right? The first two weeks or week in January, and it's called the January effect. And normally you have a January rally in the first couple of weeks. We're not getting that. We're not getting that. There's also an old adage on Wall Street, so goes January, so goes the year. Now, that's kind of just a rule of thumb, kind of a, uh, a crude heuristic, uh, but there's a little bit of truth in that. So whole point is you may need to buckle up. If you're going to have a pie chart, you better be willing to have a pretty large drawdown. And at the very least, you need to add some other asset classes than just bonds and conventional stocks. You need to add some, you know, commodity exposure, energy companies, you know, commodity type companies, some precious real estate, whatever. You need to have a different pie chart than just a year ago. So absolutely. That's kinda, so, that's, so that is, that's a good, go this is a good spot uh, to bring Don, to bring Don into the discussion now, because, uh, I don't want to put words into Dan's mouth here or Danny's mouth. Um, what a lot of people will try to do is uh, force the issue because you, you know, as individual, oftentimes individual investors uh, could be prone to over trading, especially in a market like this or wanting to inflict their will onto the markets. They think the market should be doing X, uh, whether it's, you know, long or short. And uh, this is where I think things get really dangerous, but there's this natural, occurrence with markets called a sequence of returns that I think Don does a really good job of helping uh, investors, one, understand the concept, but two, I think it's calming to understand how you make your returns and, and how you can make headway because uh, for a lot of folks, I don't know if the first couple of weeks have felt settling to them and how their confidence go as we uh, come down a little bit more here as we hit the last hour of trade on uh, on a Thursday. Don, can you uh, clue us in a little bit more, make us a little bit smarter? Returns is the concept of 
returns over the long term and percent annually, but it doesn't give you a year. It, it varies dramatically with uh, economically ship in the markets with uh, who's in charge politically, who, who uh, you know, are things been good for business or bad for business. Um, <clears throat> the, the actual points that you get are all over the chart. Tell you what, Don, we're having a little trouble uh, hold, uh, hearing you. Um, Just you're cutting bit, it yeah. out. Yeah, that's all right. I'll tell you what, let's do this. We can come back to sequence of returns here in a moment. Maybe Don wants to re-log in. Hunter. Yes, sir. Look at this. Look at Hunter. Hunter's not even frantic. He's like, dude, I'm ready to get, I'm ready. Put me in. His <laughs> internet works now. His internet works now. Uh, that's right. I'm, I was, I'm all uh, good to go. Hunter, I was thinking about you uh, last night. I'm almost, I, I was oh, screaming. Wow. Uh, and I, and uh, I, oh, about you I, I know, I didn't know where we were going with that, but yeah, I'll leave that one. I'm stalling now, <laughs> Hunter. As I was screaming last night, you came into my head. Let me type in, uh, <laughs> log back in. So, uh, I'm almost certain. Um, and Nutrien, you've discussed Nutrien in the past, right? I oh, swear, this I is have. a stock. I, yeah, like I, this one popped up. Um, down a little bit today. This one popped up on my screens. I talked about in the video last night, but then I, I'm almost certain too, um, LPX. Uh, and yep. uh, I don't know if you mentioned, I don't know if you talked about Boise recently, but LPX and Boise. I haven't Boise talked about like Boise because it doesn't have the, uh, Boise, the only reason I, I typically mention LPX is the liquidity is a lot better. Yeah, Boise is a little bit less liquid. Yeah, and so, um, but it's interesting, the commodity, uh, the commodity space and let's look real quick I'm, I'm curious about bldr here uh right around the 21 right now, in the 50 that, area yeah 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 that lpx well i was like actually i'm almost certain that uh at some point in 21 you were discussing all all four of those stuff maybe not boise but all but that space most certainly but anyway what do you have this week and then we'll come back to don if someone can just give me a heads up when don don's ready we'll get him after uh we'll try to get yeah. him in after 100. can you hear me go ahead man Yes, we yeah, can. Hear we you can, Don. Don. All right, it sounds very clear now. Yeah, it's go really good now. I'll tell you what. Tim? I'll tell you, you what. Want to go back uh, to Don. Don. Yeah, let's go back to Don. We didn't get into it too much. I think we did a good job of stalling there. Uh, Don. I think the issue was as soon as I started talking, we broke the fifty-day moving average on the S and P five hundred. So that's probably <laughs> what threw everything off. Yeah, uh, probably. Very, very so, key uh, level here. 4680, yep. 4681 on the S&P. We just dipped below it. Now we're uh, right back at it. Anyway, <clears throat> sequence of returns is the market returns 8 to 9% annually, but not every year, depending on you know what's going on politically, uh, economically, uh, and what the Fed is doing, probably most importantly. So your returns can be all over the board. And uh, the long-term uptrend is made up of a bunch of intermediate and short-term uh, that can be very uh, detrimental to your portfolio if you don't get out of the way during these harsh pullbacks. Just look at what happened with COVID, 34% in five weeks. Uh, the the um, financial crisis, 57% over two years. Bursting of the tech bubble, 
uh, over uh, two years. So uh, you get hit with that going into retirement and you're, uh, you think you might've been set up fine, but if you don't take uh, action to protect your uh, nest egg, uh, you can, you're set up for uh, not the enjoyable retirement that you might've thought you were uh, in shape for. So, um, and that's, that's really the big uh, difference between Revere and typical asset managers is that we do protect that downside. Uh, right now, our risk is about at 60% of what the market is overall. If we uh, decisively break through this 50-day moving average, again, we're going to dial that risk down uh, even further. So, But the market has been extremely choppy. There's no, uh, virtually no, uh, no growth stocks that haven't survived uh, this carnage. There's a couple, you know, it's like finding needles in a haystack. You know, everybody like Tesla yesterday was up four percent. Today, it's down five percent. Uh, Marvell was uh, one of the, the the darlings of semiconductors. It's down six percent today. Um, it's just not a uh, a good market for growth stocks, and that's going to trickle over to the overall indexes. There are places to hide. Staples will outperform. Uh, utilities will outperform, but all that rotation takes place within the S and P five hundred, and that's kind of the situation that we're in now. Is our only Broad exposure is the S&P 500, and as money moves out of tech and into staples, into utilities, into oil, into basic materials, uh, we're losing on one side, but we're gaining on the other side, and we just wait for a, a fat pitch to come down the middle, and we certainly don't have that right now uh, with the market. Dan, Dan's very fond of saying that um, you know, you're, the risk is in the market. It's not with the individual investor. Everybody has a very high risk tolerance when the market's going higher. Uh, but like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And um, your risk tolerance is drastically lower when the market is, uh, drops 34% in five weeks than it was when it's uh, screaming higher. Okay. And, you know, as we're talking, Hunter, now I'll, I'll come to you here. Let me show you the ticks uh, since I can do this in real time with folks. So uh, 12, right after noon, you had this clearing, uh, really huge downside tick. This is the selling right off of uh, the New York Stock Exchange. The, the tick picture is just steadily uh, trended lower here. And you're seeing, this is an orderly uh, sell-off right now. Um, really hard to get excited about anything. And it's interesting, too, because, um, as Don mentioned, you broke the 50. I don't know if that holds, you know, if, if it does, if it buoys back uh, here in the last uh, 50 minutes of trade on a Thursday, but you're going into a three-day weekend as markets are closed on Monday. So uh, curious uh, what taste uh, is left in investors' mouths after this week. Super interesting. And then you get some, you get the start of bank earnings, I believe, uh, tomorrow as well. Hunter, what are you looking at, man? Yeah, man. So like we've already talked about, or like Don said, there's not a ton of growth stocks out there that have been able to withstand uh, having a major pullback or getting cut in half, uh, whatever you want to call it, over the last year or so. And a, a lot of the ones that did survive have gotten hit really hard over the course of the last three or four months. So with that being said, most of these stocks I'm going to cover right now are what you would say are very cheap from a valuation standpoint they don't have very stretched pe's but that seems to be what the market has been supporting a lot more so than the high valuation high beta names we've talked about that a, a pretty good bit over the last week or two in the nightly videos and whatnot so first things first tim will you pull up uh john deere for me mm -hmm. 
And so you can see deer had a really sharp move. We talked about this last week too, sharp move over those key moving averages. We're now seeing the 21 cross through the 200, all that stuff. Those moving averages hook back up. But what's important here is DE has handled this move up in a very orderly fashion while the market and growth stocks and lots of other things have been very volatile, very up and down, breaking key moving averages. John Deere and then Caterpillar as well, Tim, if you want to pull that one up. Uh, they look very similar in regards to the last week or week and a half of trading. Also, really nice uh, way of handling the strong move up, not giving a ton back. So these are two names that are showing some relative strength over the last week and a half in a big way. Not a ton of volatility while we're seeing a lot of volatility elsewhere. I just wanted to highlight that. And then, Tim, if you want to, uh, just to kind of show the sector, XLI, uh, the industrial sector, this continues to be a pretty good performer as well. You can see it's staying above the 21, back above the 50 and all that good stuff too after a brief dip below. But for all intents and purposes, XLI continues to look good and look like one of the better sector ETFs out there. Uh, next, Tim, will you go to OIH? This is the oil and gas services ETF. I talked about this uh, on both of the videos, Monday and Tuesday. Had some really big outperformance last week and continued that into this week. Uh, the names that you're probably most familiar with in here are Halliburton and Dan, I'm going to say this correctly, Schlumberger, SLB. So HAL and SLB are the top two names in here. They really carry this ETF, but showing some big time relative strength as oil has moved higher. Uh, last couple here, Tim, Micron. I want to highlight this one here uh, because it is on the cusp of making a potentially very big move. However, it looks like today it's getting rejected uh, from making that move. And it's very close to a breakout, as you can see here. Uh, highs on the left side of the screen, going back to March, April of this year, around 95 to 97 range. So today we actually got above that, uh, not holding above it now. But if you look on a monthly, roughly this 95 to 98 area is also uh, the highs for Micron going all the way back dot-com bubble. So this is uh, not only a big breakout on the daily, but possibly a very big breakout on the monthly if it can actually follow through. Uh, so not seeing it follow through yet, but I do want to keep that on your radar. It's one of the better looking and better acting semiconductor stocks that has not broke down. And wouldn't you know it, it's one of the air quotes cheapest out there. Um, last two here real quick. What an interesting and, uh, new core. One, one second. No, it takes one Go second. Ahead. Go ahead. What an interesting thought on buy and hold. Like, um, and I say that because I, someone looking at the screen, sure, like surely nobody held this the whole time. No, somebody held this the whole time. They and and to think about everything that transpired in the stock market from 2000 to 2022, and someone owned has owned Micron that entire time, and now they're just getting back to even. Oh, that's assuming that they bought it up here. But they they really haven't made much progress, right? Like it's just, I I don't I understand by like when we do uh, and we've done it with IPOs. Like if you just bought ten thousand dollars worth of Apple and you held it the entire time, you would be a gazillionaire. But this is really the reality. So you can hold it. Like you, you just need to understand what you're getting into. Like this has been. It all depends on where you get into it. That's why I think you need triggers. I, we talk about triggers on this show so often. Like, what's your trigger to get into a stock? What's your trigger to get out? And it has to be something on a chart, like fact-based. 
Um, and if you're going to take a flyer on something, understand what, that you're doing just that. You're taking a flyer on something. Whoa. What an interesting study in human behavior this chart is. Go ahead, man. Yeah, man. My, uh, my last two here, uh, two, I guess, commodity-related <laughs> names, uh, Nucor and UE being the first one, mm -hmm. uh, had a, a pretty rough shakeout on the 11th. Uh, but came back, finished at the top of range. This is a stock that is very prone to volatile moves one way or the other. Uh, not Would not be surprising for Nucor to be up or down 5 or 10% on any given day, so keep that in mind. But it has come back up to the 50 and the 21, kind of sitting there right on it. One to keep an eye on here as it's reclaimed those moving averages. What Steel wasn't looking so good early in the week, uh, but they've recovered nicely. Most of those have. And then FCX is my last one here, Tim. Report which is uh, made a pretty big move as copper has also made a big move. We talked about copper, um, I believe copper and FCX on last show. And so FCX moving out of we a did. consolidation range and gapping up and uh, holding up relatively well today too. I mean, it's down 1%, but the market is, is down today. So that wraps it up, man. That's all I got. Actually, I do got one last thing to Absolutely. Know. Actually, I want to lead, oh, lead into conversation with you. Uh, will you pull up the dollar? I would love to hear your uh, yeah. commentary or opinion on what's happened to the dollar over the course of the last two or three days as it's kind of broke down a little bit. Yeah, um, the dollar uh, breaking down in the markets, it's it's interesting. It ties into TNX. Um, TNX is uh, down today as well, and the markets are struggling here. Um, it started struggling, I believe, when Brainerd uh started testifying this morning she's going to be uh she was nominated to be the vice uh chair of the fed and she's really hammering home uh beating down inflation um it, the way the markets have acted the last three days uh they haven't fallen apart uh as tnx has come off and the dollar coming off uh, was a positive uh, for bulls. And now you have uh, these two positives, the rates coming down and the dollar coming off and markets are really struggling here. And I think it's talking, I think what this is saying is no growth. Like the dollar going higher would signify uh, growthiness. And um, now now I think it's saying that you have no, you, uh, you know, and this is on a day by day basis here, but uh, Where's the growth going to come from? We've talked about this in the past where you've pumped in uh, trillions of dollars into the market with stimulus and all you have is 2.3% GDP to show for it. With the, going back to labor participation, with a, with a lower labor participation rate at quote unquote full employment or close to full employment, where does this growth come from in this country? People at jobs, generate gdp um and right now where's that coming from when you're looking out into the next few quarters of 2022 uh if inflation is going to take away buying power because of higher energy prices from consumers um where is there going to be all the demand that we've seen up and through the holiday season um if it's gonna if people are going to drive less uh, are there going to be the robust car and truck sales or trucks that like we make trucks in this country? So what are truck sales going to do or SUV sales going to do even with a limited supply in the market as energy prices don't seem to want to stop till they, if they cross 90, like if this chart accrued, and this all ties in together to a dollar question. If this chart accrued here, your crude oil, um, if you break through, um, 
you're at 81. But it's not that inconceivable to think that you're not going to take out this high here around 85. You break through 85 and you reach up to 90. That's a big deal. <coughs> Especially if it happens this winter in the height of people trying to uh, not just combat inflation with feeding their families, but trying to heat their homes, trying to get to jobs. Like this is a really big deal. And so, yeah, I think the dollar is telling you that uh, it's lower growth prospects right now. And um, well, yeah, well, Tim, the, ta uh, the, the, the takeaway is inflation is sucking all the growth out. I mean, bottom line. Yeah, there you just go. Keep it simple. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's not all. It's not all. Um, I don't think it's all bad meaning that you've had a reset down to the weekly 21 with the dollar. So maybe that's what you needed was, uh, it could be simple as it's a crowded trade. Like they don't tell you this, like, hey, is it a crowded trade and everybody was long the dollar and now they're getting, they're getting beat to smithereens and now it's had this shakeout, it's finding support at the weekly mean. I don't know, I, 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 I kind of think that inflation and the dollar right now are trying to signal, are trying to tell you something. And growth prospects are gonna be tough and the NASDAQ then you tie that into the NASDAQ. And that's why you'll hear me say constantly, it's never one piece of information in a vacuum. It's, it's, um, it's modicums of other pieces of information uh, put together to form your site picture, to give you situational awareness. And, and the, the high valuation growth stocks, um, they're, they're, they're gonna struggle in this environment. And that's what, that, that it's a reset that you're seeing. And it's not all gonna be done at once. And so eventually this trade will get too crowded, uh, the reset trade for high valuation stocks, and they'll zoom up and suck some people in. And you got, you got I mean, this descending 21, uh, definitely interesting. So I think dollar, uh, what Danny said, yeah, dollar growth is being sucked out and that's represented there in the dollar. So hopefully that helps. Uh, Alex, what you got, man? Yeah, so, <clears throat> I've been looking at, and I entered a few days ago on my tracking portfolio, uh, GLD. If you could pull up uh, like a 20-year weekly on that, that would be great. So I know I was kind of looking back, and I noticed that when QE happened, gold kind of went into like a, a bear. It didn't do much the whole time there was quantitative easing and massive money printing, and now that we're kind of pulling back, I'm wondering if this starts to trend higher again. And um, if you look at a, a three-year weekly, a little bit tighter, so a little bit more from this past year, that if you use that 21-week moving average, I, I'm like Tim in the sense that I, I like to use that average more than any of them on the weekly. That's where I entered. So it was like around that 168 area. Um, I have a defined stop. I usually use like three to 5%, depending on the day and the volume. And if it's coming down hard, I may get out earlier on that 21 week, may keep it really tight. But for now it's, it's going up or at least it's holding up in a really tough market. So that might be a, a place to avoid uh, your, op your opportunity costs and holding a big cash position, because if there's inflation and the goods are going up in price and the dollar's going down, you're losing money on your cash position. If you were to plot it on a graph, it's going to be going down. So I'm trying to avoid that. Um, so maybe gold's a play. Uh, a couple individual stocks I do see strengthen, and that's probably because they're tied to real estate. Uh, if you could pull Lowe's, L-O-W. 
I, it's pretty amazing that this name has held up near its 52 week highs for uh, a good amount of time. And then when we had that nasty shakeout earlier uh, in the week, they put in a hammer. I talked about that on the last podcast where the stock opens up, it, it breaks down and then closes right where it opened. You could see that big wick underneath that bar uh, on the 50 day on that red bar right there four days ago. Nope, you were, yep, right there. Um, that was a good sign of strength and it kept following through and it's kind of like hanging in there. So I do like the look of it. I would like to see it um, just depending on the market because you could find like a perfect setup and if the market's going to come down, unfortunately, uh, you know, if the tide is going lower, you could buy a cruise ship, it's going to go down with it. So it, it doesn't really, um, doesn't matter how perfect the setup is and how great the fundamentals are. But I do like this name. Um, Take that gold, and then my last one. Actually, um, Hunter has been talking about this name, and I looked at it more today. And NUE, I mean, Hunter, you could take over on this. Did you talk about that just now? I may have missed it when if you were talking about that. Did yeah, you, Hunter, are you there? I don't know if we lost Hunter, oh, but yeah, we. I think we lost. We probably Hunter. lost Hunter. No, I, I'm here. There I'm is. here. My my dog was screaming, so I put myself on mute uh, to avoid any. Okay, sorry to put you on the spot. I was saying, did you just review NUE? I might have missed it when I was looking at some charts. I did. I covered it briefly. I covered it briefly. Uh, okay. Just that it was. Yeah, I I, I agree with Hunter on this one. I'm 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 on his team on this one. I think that uh, these type of names, uh, non-growth tech names, could work. It's holding its 50-day. Maybe this is a good uh, risk to reward area. RR. Um, you just gotta, I would just tread lightly, but you, if you if you have to buy something, there are some names, but it's okay to be in cash, but is it okay to be in cash for a long time? And that's where I get into the, you know, what do you do? Because at some point your cash position in a high inflation type economy, that, you know, that's gonna hurt. I, I, I mean, what about people that don't own homes? or don't own hard assets, you know, and they're just collecting an income, you know, what do you do with your money? So I think finding names or positions like maybe potentially a gold position or an S&P 500 um, position like we we have in-house off a big moving average, like the 50-day or the, even the 200-day, you know, that, that could uh, down the road longer term, like Dan said, can yield some good results. You know, we're not we're we're not short-minded here. We're we're not looking one next week. I don't want to get a quick trade. That's not what we do here. Um, so it's having that process, and we try to stick to that process. All right, uh, Don. You want uh, well, cover, real quick, ahead, just, 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 I want to clarify one thing that that Alex said. So that I mean, I know the traders and the active active investors know what he meant. But for the people that, you know, just joining or new to the program, when he said tread lightly, you know, you can take some positions, tread lightly. He's talking about take a smaller position size, you know, start building mm -hmm. the position. Don't just take a, 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 your yeah. normal position size when the market's choppy like this. I, do, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, thank sure. you, Dan. That's true. Don, Don I know uh, Thursday's Hunter's video, you'll have the 21 over 21 and take us into the weekend. What are you seeing shaping up? Uh, I'm going to have a hard time finding 21 over the 21 if uh, 
this market keeps up and but that's that's okay because that tells us everything that we need to know about the state of growth leadership in the market um it speaks volumes uh in its uh lack of leadership and that's why we're uh you know sitting on our hands waiting for the fat pitch don't know you're you're always ever four days away from a follow-through day in the markets today was day four off the bottom but we're going in the wrong direction today <clears throat> I do okay. want to uh, would, point and, out, and Don, what would violate that uh, for? What would violate violate that fall through day for our viewers? A, br a break of uh, the lows of four days ago, of day one. Okay, in the indexes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that was on, that was the tenth where we bottomed uh, and had to put in a big hammer candle close at the highs of the day after a rough shakeout uh, intraday. And right now where um, then we, we had two days up, we paused at the top of the range and we're, uh, we broke back below the 21 and now we're testing the 50 day moving average on the S&P. NASDAQ looks much worse, Dow looks better. Uh, mid caps and small caps, well they've been, uh, uh, well small caps especially have been underperforming for a while, mid caps not quite as bad. <clears throat> Uh, changing the subject, but I do want to congratulate uh, Guns and um, oh, Guns and Sweetums on their excellent uh, <laughs> Week 18 performance, which allowed them to avoid finishing last in our fantasy football league. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Tim, I seem to remember you taking the Young Guns over Domination. I think he did. Uh, of the year. Yeah, he and, did. They um, did they beat you? They they are basically the Carson Wentz of um, who ah, lost no. to the Jaguars the last I was uh, there. game of the year to give, oh, you went give to that up game. The, uh, the playoff spot that was there for the grab uh, on the, for the Indianapolis Colts, but uh, dominated by the uh, free win Jaguars there. And uh, I finished third on the year. Uh, and uh, Guns and Sweetums finished a uh, after taking a lot of abuse from me in our intra league comments, uh, managed to rally from tenth to eighth the last uh, the last week. <laughs> so on to next year. Uh, improvement. <laughs> there you go. So now does that mean next year um, they start getting some of the first draft picks? No, Sadly, we start no. from scratch It'll every year. Yep. Everybody. Everybody starts yeah, from scratch. Uh, I'll tell you what, Danny. Uh, let's do this. Danny, I've got one last thing. But will you uh, give us the short uh, the short outro, the one where it doesn't take you forever to get through it, please? Wow. Wow. Folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, revereasset.com. Just send them there. They can sign up. Uh, uh, they can sign up for it, subscribe, they hit the subscribe button, sign up for our daily market newsletter, and we won't spam them or email them, hassle them in any way. It's up to them to reach out to us if they want a complimentary portfolio review or just have questions or a topic they'd like to hear on the show. You can email any of us, dan at revereasset.com, Tim, Hunter, Alex, or Don at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. That's smooth, Danny. That was really good. Hey. Uh, going hey. to give you high praise. Yeah, man. High, high praise. So uh, real quick, someone asked me this uh, over Twitter. 
uh, one of the, uh, earnings season is coming up and uh, expected move. And there's two things uh, to point out when you look at, this is on Thinkorswim. Uh, not every platform has uh, both of the things I'm about to show you. Every platform has implied volatility by percentage. And so you can get an implied volatility number um, on an options chain. And you can tell when earnings are, if you don't know when earnings are for a stock, like they're not on your chart, you can always look at the high, look for the highest implied volatility in the chain and you'll find where earnings are. I, I can tell you that next week, uh, within eight days, uh, Netflix is gonna report earnings. And I can tell that because the implied volatility is higher. So what the market makers do is they increase the uh, price of both calls and puts. It's an unknown event. And so what they do is they increase the volatility uh, and the expected move that would normally be there for this week. Uh, and you can see like a normal week down here, you're in the 30s for implied volatility. And so uh, up here, you're at 64%. This number is going to increase as you get closer to the unknown event. And then what that makes traders do is pay up for calls and puts. And so it's a way that the house continues to always be the winner typically in an earnings period. But the number that's associated next to it is the plus with the plus or minus. That's actually the, today is Thursday, the, um, what is today's date, the 13th? 13th. And so uh, for, it's about a $42 move, plus or minus, up or down on a $522 stock. And so that's what's being factored in. And that'll, that'll adjust and change. But um, there's a number of strategies you can employ up there. But I had someone ask me what the numbers meant. And... Uh, looking at expected move and what the market maker said. And that that really is um, where I look to see what's expected for earnings. If you go uh, a certain, uh, it's a certain multiple multiplication factor above this number, you'll get what's known as a runner and that thing will start running. Um, same thing to the downside. If you violate this number to the downside, you're gonna start wanting to find support levels and look out below because the market makers are taken off a of guard and they're gonna be scrambling. Uh, to cover their bets. So hopefully that all makes sense. Any questions, just email me, Tim at RiverAsset.com. Danny, take it away. Folks, we'll talk to you next week on Your Money.